Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. So Matthew, it's our 12th and last podcast for the season. How are you feeling about it? Well, I tell you this is that uh, doesn't believe like we've done 12 of these but I guess if you say we're on 12 we're on 12 and uh, reflecting on the journey it's been very 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 interesting learned so much learned so much about the subject matter I mean from things like sleep and how important it is all the way through to where we are now doing the sea and uh We'll get to more of what that is, but just want to say a big thank you to you and all the hard work you've put in, all the research and everything. And uh, yeah, I think uh, as far as a whole season goes, if I look back on it, I'm pretty proud of what you and I have managed to achieve. So well done and thank you. Yeah, it's like it's like we woke up one day and said, yes, we need to do this podcast and launched into it. I really have loved planning the the season, researching the episodes, flexing when you went down to George and needing to do it remotely. It all seems to have fallen into place. And we have hopefully got better as we've gone along and we'll improve even more, I think, as we do more. Well, I think like anything, it's about consistency. And in the consistency, you get experience and then that experience helps inform the activity so you learn to realize what the small stuff is because the saying goes don't sweat the small stuff <laughs> and even though we're taking a short break we will be back we're going to use this time to get some well-deserved rest i think one of the things we didn't realize when you do a podcast it's not the same as writing something and publishing it because you have to write it or rather research write record, edit, and then publish. Mm. And as you'll see in our long list of credits at the end of this particular episode, well, our team is a giant team of two. Yes. Uh, and I do think that it's fitting that for this week and our last episode of the season, that we look at the C of our ABC of Life teachings. That is, choose love. Always. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Mm. 
Only love can do that. That's how we ended last week's podcast and the link between bring the light and choose love. Talk a bit about why choose love. What inspired and motivated this to be the C of our ABC? Well, if you've learned anything about us listening to the podcasts, and maybe you haven't, but certainly in our work, we love our three-letter acronyms. And when the big tree in Hookville inspired us to come up with the ABC teachings, the C just organically showed up. I mean, think about it. The A, act like a tree, asks us to embody the aspects of a tree. Things like acceptance, tolerance, being present and so on. And then there's B for bring the light. And then, you know, after that, the only thing really that's left is love. And because we are beings of choice, and many people forget this, we need to choose it always. What about you, Chantel? Mm, Yes, for me, it's about starting with me. You know, our theme for this year is it starts with me. And so I came into this year thinking about self-love. I don't think I've particularly loved myself much in the past. And this seems to be a common kind of theme for many women in particular, I'm sad to say. And I am generalizing here. But, you know, we women can be very hard on ourselves. We've been brought up to care for everyone else before ourselves. And then on top of that, we pour scorn and derision if we don't think we are doing enough, um, if we don't feel we are good enough, I think it's dreadful. No one needs to criticize us because our inner critic is just so much worse. In my experience, women are far too hard on themselves and they let men get away with too much. Many men don't realize how good they have it, particularly men of European descent. I mean, they're in the game already, so to speak. But women have to do so much just to get to the start line. And I think they don't realize this. And then that's where this admonishment stuff comes in. The game is skewed and in many instances rigged towards the masculine in our world. For example, look at sport. How many of them are by men for men? The accepted levels of competition in the workplace. Again, a masculine thing. Many cultures make women second rate and subservient. My last example is to consider the major religions of the world. Where are women in these institutions? And talking of this, how about, and I know this is potentially controversial, but from a Christian perspective, the origin story is the only place where a man gives rise to a woman, an aberration of the norm and completely bastardizing the creative principle of life that women, and only women, are privy to. So men, wake up and do more. And women, well, take back more of your power, your beautiful feminine power. (laughs) Mm, Yes, but this is not an issue specific to women only. This is a topic for all people, no matter how they identify. And here we are talking about loving ourselves. Do you love yourself, Matthew? Well, now I can say yes. There was a time in my past, my younger past, and I didn't. I would go so far as to say I actually hated myself. I hated the way I felt. And this is ironic. 
I was blessed with a beautiful face and body, an amazing intelligence, softness and kindness of character. But through my conditioning growing up, I was led to believe I wasn't enough and I wasn't good enough. And as a result, I couldn't measure up to what I perceive I needed to be in the world. The end result was self-hatred to the point where I would self-harm. My life's journey has been one of realizing, maybe relearning if you like, that I am indeed perfect at my core. It's also been a process, like all growth and healing, one that's built on consistency of doing the work. I like to call it the 80-100 rule. And by rule, I mean guide, just for those of you that loathe the concept of rules and being hemmed in and constrained. And it really means to be consistent 80% of the time, but in that time, or and in that time, then give it 100%, give it your all. So you are saying that at this point, having come through a life where you maybe didn't love yourself or potentially disliked and hated yourself at some stage, you are at a point where you can love yourself. And I entered this year really considering self-love. I sort of surveyed the world and considered how much awfulness there is, how much conflict and rage, how if we loved ourselves, maybe things would be better. I thought that so much of what we do is projection of our own fears and concerns. So if we are attacking another person, it's because we can't face that thing in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I wondered, what if we were truly able to love ourselves unconditionally and non-judgmentally? How would or could that change how we see and engage with others, especially others who are different from ourselves, others who have very different views, beliefs, and values? I think it's a very valid question. Uh, part of our emotional fitness class offering is we do a guided meditation called Seeding Equality. And in there, we go through an exercise really to remember and remind ourselves that all change starts with me. And if we want to change what's out there, we need to change what's in here. In other words, in me. So if I want to see less rage or anger or whatever in the world, then I need to be less of those things. And maybe rather than being less of those, let's focus on what we want more of. That's a great idea. Yes. I mean, there are things that we want less of. And then there are things that we want more of. And that's what seeding equality does. It says seeding equality we want more of in the world. Mm. And that's really the thing, because what we've seen again and again through our work, through our emotional fitness classes, through the use of shape of emotion, is that that stuff we want more of, well, it's really there. We just need to clear away all that stuck ego-based type stuff, past stuff, and it naturally shows up. I've never seen anybody need a course on how to be kind or how to be joyful or how to be compassionate. It's not something you need to learn. We just are these things. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. Some people would argue that looking at how others behave out there, you know, the cruelty and the, the, um, the power that is, uh, that is imposed on others uh, the scarcity complex that I think the world has. But, you know, 
if we come back to this issue of love, and I, and I do agree, I do agree that if we clear away those difficult emotions in ourselves, we do open up that core which is perfect. And that core which is perfect is compassionate and kind and loving and joyful. So yes, I do agree with that. I don't want to disagree with that, but I think people would you know, be a bit cynical if they have to look at the world and see what the world looks like. But coming back to this element of self-love, you know, and, and really developing an ability to have a real loving relationship with myself, myself, I sort of wondered what that would take. So I went and did some research. I thought, okay, let's see what is floating on in the internet about the subject. And I found a whole bunch of articles and advice, and they predominantly looked at two things, two sort of themes. Firstly, they looked at doing nourishing things for yourself. So things like taking a long bath, doing meditation, going on a retreat, taking a trip, starting a gratitude journal, or finding a creative way to express yourself. And the second theme was looking at the way you think and feel, such as you know, stopping comparing yourself to others, putting yourself first, ending toxic relationships, you know, knowing that your value doesn't lie in how you look, being able to speak your mind, and being kind to yourself. And on consideration, I thought, you know, these are great. They are great. But, you know, it doesn't really help me love myself, really. Uh, I, I felt like I needed something more, something a little bit more like with substance. So I looked for advice around building a loving relationship with another. So I thought if there's advice on how to build a loving relationship with another person, maybe that could be transferred into how to build a loving relationship with oneself. And I actually found stuff that was quite useful there. So let's have a look. So here are some themes. To have a good relationship with someone, it's important to have quality time with that person develop good communication, be willing to forgive, be open to change, have reasonable expectations, and trust. So I thought that we would go through these and just see how they reflected or spoke to the ability to love oneself. Okay with that? Sure, let's have a look. So if we take the first one, which is quality time, here, this is about developing quality time with oneself, with myself. And notice that I say with myself, not for myself, because it's about getting to know me better. What do you think? Well, the first thing that comes up is it starts with me, and we advocate often. Uh, well, all the time when the context is right, that it has to start with me. I'm not loving me. How can I love another? If I'm disconnected from me, how can I connect to another? And so I definitely think that developing quality time really talks into that space. And I think if we take our lead or our cue from what we discussed earlier about women, is that who are the nurturers generally? in the world and how much time do they take out for themselves i would say that i think you're right developing quality time 
with myself is very much key. And how would you develop quality time with yourself? I think, first of all, I'd create the time, create the space for the time. We live in a world at the moment where there are so many things on the go, and it almost is like the busier I look, the more successful I am. And I think we need to just put a full stop right there, draw a line, turn the page and say no. We have seen again and again the importance of making the space and then filling it with time. For me. For me, quality time would definitely be quiet time. It would be away from distractions like screens, kids, and anybody that needs me. I would want to use the time to reflect, to sort of go inwards, check on how my body's feeling, and really tune in to what my body is saying to me and you know just reflect on my thoughts and and my way of being i suppose i think also once you make the space it might be a bit deafening the volume of silence because how many of us do give ourselves that space and you might sit in this uncomfortable silence almost sitting across from an empty chair like okay now what and so definitely the reflection side, just allowing things to come up, maybe using the time to have a, have a journal with you or a pen and paper, definitely not something technology related, just to write ideas and thoughts that come out of this space of reflection and quiet. You've given yourself. It doesn't have to be a massive amount of time, certainly not in the beginning. No. See if you can carve out a window of 10 minutes. <laughs> Mm, yes, and that, that brings me to the next one, which is good communication. So here would be a great opportunity in this quality quiet time to communicate with myself. And if I consider how I've communicated with myself in the past, mm, you know, I can't say that it's been all that uh, complimentary. What about you? Well, generally, I think we are our harshest critic. For whatever reason, I'm um, pretty sure there are some answers to why that is. And, you know, like all relationships, they run on communication. You know, we can't mind read. Uh, not that I've seen too many mind reading people or even read expressions on faces. Thing is, it's about communicating. If I'm able to be more gentle with myself, perhaps consider how I might treat myself if I was another person that I loved or I find it useful to make the suggestion that imagine yourself as a small child and maybe imagine yourself as someone else's small child. How would you engage with that person? Because really that's what we're asking for here. Exactly. And that's a beautiful suggestion because if I think of how I've spoken to myself in the past, and how I've said things like, you know, you're such an idiot, don't be so stupid, you know, um, that was a dumb thing to do, uh, ugh, look at yourself, you're not looking so great, uh, you know, what you did wasn't good enough, um, I don't know, just just real, real horrible criti critical things to say to myself. And I think, you know, if, would I say that kind of stuff to somebody else? 
What did I say? Ugh, you're looking ugly today. Ugh, you've got so fat. <laughs> or, oh my goodness, you're not a great mother, are you? Far too focused on your work. I don't know that. I would never say that to anybody. I think that's a good recipe to get rid of people and friends. So there's some kind of, <laughs> yes, you know, backwards exactly. advice. Yes. But uh, yes, I think we get the, get the idea. Mm, yes. And I mean, having said that I have been very harsh and critical to myself, the next piece or the next element is quite useful as well. And that is being willing to forgive. So that's the next one on the list. So being willing to forgive myself. So, wow, this is a big one. I think it's not just being able to forgive. It's being willing to forgive. That, for me, makes the difference. Forgiveness is an interesting thing uh, for me. I believe sincerely, and I've seen this play out numerous times as well in our work and in my life personally, Forgiveness is actually not about the other. It is about me. Because sometimes, you know, the other person is oblivious to what they did. And we project our values and our beliefs onto that person and say, well, that was me, I wouldn't have done that, so therefore you need to atone for what you did. And the other person kind of may not even be around. And then we can hold on to all the stuff that is there. And I definitely think the willingness is key because you have to be willing before you can take the step. So the willingness is kind of a softening, more considered approach before the actual forgiveness. Yes. And for me, the willingness is about letting go of the holding on to the judgment, the holding on to the criticism. It's, it's almost a bit masochistic. So I'm not going to forgive myself. Because, you know, I've been so bad and rotten and ugly and what have you. And let me hold on to that because in that way, I'm almost punishing myself. And so this willingness to forgive is like a letting go. It's an unclasping. It's saying, phew, phew, let me be a little bit more kind and compassionate to myself and just let go of that weight, that, that holding on to this need to continue to punish myself oh, think about that small child again mm. whatever they have done do they deserve to be punished again and again and on and on and on mm. i think you know what the answer is exactly so what is the next one for us matthew on the list well i think we are segueing in here to loving myself from a kind of acceptance place you know the whole thing around who am i and what do i want I am unaware or unsure of what that is in terms of building this relationship. It's very important to go out there and, and find out what's important to me. Because if I'm unclear about what's important to me, then how can I have that relationship with another? Who is the other going to be engaging? And the example that comes to mind is Julia Roberts' character in the movie Runaway Bride, where she effectively, to coin a favorite phrase of ours, kept turning herself into a pretzel to be the woman that each man she met wanted, but never really being her authentic self. And then by the time it got to the point where she was about to say, I do, she realized, hang on a sec, I don't want to be in this anymore. And so then she opted out, ran away. And it's, it's very telling because right at the end of the movie, she comes out in a scene and says, eggs Benedict. 
and the other character, the leading man in that instance, is Richard Gere, and he looks at her and says, what? Or words to that effect, he says, I like Eggs Benedict. We've gone the whole movie seeing this person, this character, eating all sorts of eggs, which he never liked. So I think that is key, is a little bit of awareness around what do I like, what's important to me. Hmm. Yes, and that's uh, yeah, that's something to consider, and and not quite sure where it fits on the list, but certainly absolutely important. Um, because the next one on the list is being open to change. I know change. We've said this a lot as well. That quote by Heraclitus three thousand years ago: "Change is the only constant." It certainly seems that we as human beings struggle with change. And I know that it can be difficult to accept. The first aspect of change for me, really, that I had to accept was getting older, my eyesight not being what it was, how my body is changing, maybe the fear that I've left too late to make a mark on the world doing what is necessary. When yours and mine uh, marital status has changed, I know how much I've changed being in my relationship with you on both a work level and a personal level. So. Now, there is this ongoing flow of change. I think the more readily and the faster we align with that flow, the better things will be and the easier things will be in terms of this whole love thing mm. for ourselves. Eddie. Yes, me too. Being kind to myself as I entered a very big change in a woman's life, and that is menopause, with the added wrinkles, the less taut skin, the, you know, the confusion, because really not taught much about that at all, I have to say. It's ridiculous. So the changes, with that, there were also changes that came with a new life, a new way of being. <laughs> and there's a new world order out there. I think there's a lot of change happening out there too. Um, it is really about being compassionate with change and compassionate with the messiness of new and different. We certainly have been through a lot of new and different over the last couple of years. And so it's about being open to change in me. Well, I think mm. you're right. And then being compassionate. You know, if I think back to the beginning of the podcast, you know, the activities that we are engaged with, we afford ourselves the opportunity to mess up, to make mistakes, to not get it right the first time. And we would do well to apply that to ourselves as we encounter new situations. Mm. Mm. And I think that talks into the space of having reasonable expectations. And for me, this is a great one. I think we definitely have high expectations of ourselves. You know, that lovely list of shoulds and musts and have tos, and then kind of turning it down. My stepfather once spoke to me about the reasonable man test, call it the reasonable person test. Is like under reasonable circumstances, how would a reasonable person respond? And then it kind of normalizes in some instances what you need to do. Mm. And it takes the pressure off mm. and gives you a break, mm. gives me a break. Yeah, I think it's really silly that we put ourselves under so much pressure. You know, it's not others that do that to us. Not others that are telling us to be like massively successful and manage all these multiple elements in our lives. They're not doing that to us. It's us that is doing that to us. So I do think that just giving ourselves a break does take the pressure off. And uh, having re reasonable expectations of us will also help in the way that 
You know, I talk to myself, forgiving myself for not being super successful. Maybe I am. I just don't see that. <laughs> yes, it's all that admonishment stuff. You know, all exactly. that critical stuff. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the last one, this last one that we come to, I think is really, really important. It's around trust. Do I trust myself not to let myself down? So this isn't about other people. I need to remind myself and everybody else. It's about myself. Do I trust myself not to let myself down? And at the crux of it all is the question, do I feel worthwhile enough to know that what I do and say is in the best interest of myself? Yeah, just to... Kind of reminder there that we are talking about a loving relationship from me to me. Mm. And I think trust and love are inextricably linked. If I can trust myself, I can love myself. If I can love myself, then I can trust myself. Mm. Now, Rumi has a lovely way of putting it. Love is the bridge between you and everything. And I think this is what we're saying when we say, Choose love. Always. It is the bridge between me and me. Me and you. Me and others. Me and my world. And in all of this, I can use shape of emotion to clear any difficult, stuck, painful past emotions. And then I uncover the core of me that is perfect, beautiful, whole and love. Mm. Wow. That sounded lovely. <laughs> and I know that this is the end of our podcast, so we haven't forgotten. As always, we have a lovely poem chosen by Chantel. So what have you got for us on the theme of love this week? So the poem I've chosen is Elizabeth Barrett Browning's very well-known poem called How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. It was the first poem that came to mind when I thought about poems about love. And, you know, there are so many poems out there that I thought, that's the poem that I have to use. The poem is said to be to her husband, a poem that she wrote for her husband. And it talks about the length and breadth of her love that even spans death. It is a call to all of us to love like this. Always. always. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and the breadth and the height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being an ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And, and, and if God choose 
I shall but love thee better after death. Hmm. Wow. I'm always amazed at the lovely poems that you choose, and this one in particular. If you turn it around and you ask yourself the question, how do I love thee? How do I love me? Let me count the ways. Can you? Mm. Mm. And so I think this is a fantastically fitting last episode for our first season of podcast. It's been such a ride, such fun. 12 episodes done and dusted, and I know we've got 12 more in the planning stages. I really have learned so much doing them in so many levels. I look forward to what the next season will bring us. I agree. And I would encourage our listeners to send us feedback on what they have enjoyed and what they would like to hear more of. Rate us and write a review. We would love to hear from you. Yes, it would be great to get some input. I know one of the ideas we have is to do more people stuff, more interviews with people. And if you'd like to be interviewed for our podcast and you have an alignment with our philosophy and approach, please drop us an email, get in touch. And as we end off and close out, here's a big thank you for listening and journeying with us. The Emotions Matter Really podcast is hosted and developed by Chantal and Matthew. It's produced by Matthew and Chantel for fifth place. And then our team consists of Matthew Green and Chantel Daughtry. Our sound designer, Matthew Green. Graphic designer, Matthew Green. Our researcher, author and writer is Chantel Daughtry. The video editing and production is done by Matthew Green. And any fact checking that needs to be done is courtesy of Matthew Green. And as you can see, our giant team of two would love to have you on the podcast and part of our team. And with that, it is time to say farewell. So from me, Chantal, remember, be kind and be gentle to yourself. And until next time, bye for now. And from me, Matthew, choose love. Always. Always. See you soon and bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't done so already, please subscribe or follow us. You can also find out more about what we do by visiting our website, fifth.place. Yes, that's all it is, 5th.place. And then for more ways to choose love, always, and build your emotional fitness, we invite you to try out our mini audio course, but how to master your emotions or you can attend an emotional fitness class yes begin to build your emotional fitness by doing an online emotional fitness class purchase your recording at a very nominal price that you can come back to as often as you want for 30 days find the link in the dis- description for this episode and lastly if you found this podcast to be of value and would like to match this value, then we invite you to consider making a donation to us at Fifth Place. This will enable us to provide you with more valuable content.